G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. You may be aware that Ireland uh, became the first country to legalise same-sex marriage by popular vote. And Irish voters, uh, they decisively voted in favour of marriage equality and making Ireland the first country to do so at the ballot box. Well, let's talk through some of the issues, what that means. What is the Christian response in Australia? David Van Gend is president of the Australian Marriage Forum, a family doctor who contributes to national debates on these sorts of issues and bioethical issues. And David joining us today. Hello, David. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, Neil. David, what was your first reaction when you heard uh, the result from the uh, referendum in Ireland? Very dejected, Neil, because if beautiful old Ireland with its long Christian culture and history and families and communities can abandon its children in the way it has done, because that is what this referendum for gay marriage means. It's, it's It's a... it's a demolition of the timeless structure of, of mother, father and child families. It now says in the Irish Constitution, Neil, effectively, that a mother simply does not matter. A father is of no significance to a son or a daughter that any two adults can marry and form a family. Uh, that is profound. And it really tells us how... Um, how terminal the dementia has become in in Western countries, how easily we are led into previously unthinkable positions uh, because we've lost our Christian roots, we've lost our common sense roots as to the basic things in life that matter, basic things of marriage, family and normal normal human relationships. So devastating uh, to hear that. Uh, terrible decision uh, in Ireland on Friday, Neil. Well, David, you have been the champion of recent times of this bond between mother and child. And as you say, what they've done in Ireland uh, has, for the Irish people, upset that bond and there'll be major ramifications into the future. Let me ask you about the idea of referendum and this idea too, which is similar to a referendum but a plebiscite. I know the Australian Christian Lobby has been saying that uh, nothing wrong with having a plebiscite, getting the views of Australians on this issue. Uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of a plebiscite? Two points. First, I have reluctance to ever suggest that any laws or parliament can really say anything about marriage. Marriage is not a social invention. It is not created by laws. It is not created by society. And society has no power to change it because marriage is given us in nature. It is something that society simply recognises as a phenomenon in nature that males and females tend to bond and males and female bonds tend to produce offspring. And so you have a phenomenon that is given us in nature that, hey, Men and women are going to pair off, they're going to have children, 
And then the great challenge is how do we keep that unit together for the sake of social stability? How do we keep men and women together for the sake of their children who have been created by them? Now, Neil, marriage is our effort in society to reinforce a biological bond that is given to us in nature. And so marriage is simply our best effort to keep a man with his mate. So my point is that um, because marriage is given to us, we have no power to change it. If we create laws saying marriage can be between two men or between three men, as happened in Thailand, or between three women, as happened in uh, one of the states in the U.S., this sort of madness, we can, in, we can play our little games. We can create our legal fictions about same-sex marriage or group marriage. That is a biological nonsense. It is a fantasy and, a, as I say, a sign of the dementia of the West. But, Neil, if we're going to go down a demented pathway, if we're going to do something insane like that, let's do it in a way that really shows that um, it is the will of the people. And that's where your point about the plebiscite comes in. As you know, Ireland had a referendum. Now, a referendum is something that changes the Constitution. It's a sort of very high-level public vote. They had to do it as a referendum because their Constitution previously specified that marriage was between man and woman. And so in order to overturn that, the gay lobby had to move for a referendum. Now, in Australia, Neil, uh, there's no constitutional issue. Uh, there's nothing that we'd have to change in the Constitution. But just in the last 24 hours, I've come around to the position that um, a national vote on redefining marriage, redefining family, redefining the bonds between mother, father and child, if we're going to do that, let it be on the heads of the whole country. Let it be a decision of the whole country. And if I'll have my way, Neil, and you have your way, I hope, and all of our friends, we will bring our neighbours to understand why we should not presume to, to violate nature, to repeal biology, to change marriage, and our plebiscite would win. David, inviting listeners to be part of our conversation today, uh, a brief opportunity for you to make a contribution, 1-800-316-316, our number. Let's hear from Stephen in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Stephen. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, g'day. Stephen, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, my thoughts is that I ask the question, where are all our Christian leaders? I'm, I'm not just talking about pastors, but also heads of denominational churches, uh, people who are in the Bible colleges. Where are they? Uh, are they prepared to organize nationally like petitions with the church, people who go to church, in order to get our voices out there? Because... And when the righteous people do nothing, evil will prosper. And history will tell you that if we, you know, as Christians, we are responsible for the, uh, this generation of souls. And here in Australia, we're responsible for those who are in Australia. And if we don't do something now, we're giving the devil a foothold into this country and it'll be a foothold that will be hard to knock back. Okay, Stephen, let's hear from David. David, uh, one thing to talk about petitions amongst churches, but uh, I think a, a bigger issue that Stephen's talking about there is uh, is where are the national church leaders in talking about this issue? Do you have thoughts on that? Yes, it's a mixed bag. Some of our church leaders and Christian leaders are untiring and magnificent. Obviously, you've got 
key people like Lyle Shelton, my good friend from Toowoomba. Lyle's the head of the Australian Christian Lobby. Lyle does more than anyone else in the country on this. He's, he's just brilliant. Now, he, for example, organised two million emails to go to the parliament within 24 hours when it looked like the federal parliament, the government was going to change its policy on same-sex marriage. And that was enough, I think, to, to deter them from any change. Now, that was done through his great organisational skills. So Lyle's one example, and there are other Christian group leaders, Family Voice Australia and Australian Family Association and, and our little Australian Marriage Forum. We, we, you know, we all try and do our best. But Stephen, church leaders, there are some magnificent leaders too. You've got um, right from, say, Archbishop Fisher, the Catholic Archbishop of uh, Sydney, writes and speaks better on marriage than anyone in the country. Uh, you've got uh, a friend of mine, James McPherson, who's a pastor at an AOG church up on the Sunshine Coast. Great work organizing discussions around this matter. There's leaders around, but it's a real problem. And I can think of a couple of reasons why our church leaders are not out there um, for the old churches like the Catholic and Anglicans, they have been in a way humiliated by a very small number of uh, criminals and perverted people in their ranks, gross people who have infiltrated the churches in order to have their way with little children. Now, that is so vile, and unfortunately some of the leaders in the church have been so sort of slow and incompetent in dealing with these problems that their credibility has been damaged severely on this matter, on anything to do with, you know, um, sexuality, disorders of this or that. I think that's, in Ireland in particular, a reason why the referendum got through, because the Catholic Church was so crippled by these very small, you know, well under a percent of bad eggs, but they've poisoned the whole basket. Then you have the other extreme. Say you have the young AOG type or, you know, the sort of young church movement, Tragically, they're sort of fixed on a business model of church, right? So the customer must always be kept happy. You don't talk about things that might upset the customer. Now, that's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but there's an element of that. That's a danger for the young churches. And they sort of don't want to talk about hard things because it might not be good for our membership. Now, that's a, a challenge for them. Um, but what you said, Steve, about looking after this generation of souls, Christian people have got to understand that if, if, if same-sex marriage, if homosexual marriage is normalized in law, the whole purpose of that for the gay lobby is nothing to do with marriage. They don't care about marriage. The purpose of that for the gay lobby is that that will give them the legal power to change the culture. They will have the big stick of anti-discrimination law to beat the churches with into silence, to beat conscientious objectors into silence, and they will have the power to enforce the teaching of homosexual behaviour to our children because now the law says homosexual behaviour between two men is absolutely no different to the relationship of a child's mum and dad. None in law. And if you, you can only imagine the consequences of that. You can actually see the consequences in places like Massachusetts and elsewhere where parents don't even have the right now to withdraw their children from classes where gay activists are talking. So the church has to wake up. This is going to threaten the souls of our future children because the innocence, the beauty, the truth of the normal human relations between man and woman in marriage are going to be trashed if we allow this through. Trashed. And with that, the Christian church will be trashed. So please, please let people take some time to consider the consequences uh, they're a lot bigger than we presently imagine. Mm. Stephen from Dolby, thanks so much for your input today. Uh, time for some brief insights. Uh, John from Coburg in Victoria. Hello, John. Welcome along to 2020. 
Oh, you're doing a great job now. How are you going? Thank you very Thank much, you John. Yes, going good. good. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, I, I can see he's, um, you know, he's got obviously a zeal for, um, for a David and that, and we obviously as Christians, we wholeheartedly agree with him. But, you know, we've got to be realistic and live in reality. Um, people don't believe in the Bible anymore. They don't believe in, you know, the Christian message anymore. Um, we're in a secular society, and I think, you know, as much as I know his um, you know, good intent. He's wasting his time. I think he should allow, like the prodigal son, allow these, let people hit rock bottom, Don't, you know, and then let them realise um, what the Bible's trying to tell them. But the fact of us, it's like we're trying to push the tide back. I mean, I've, I've spoken to millions, hundreds of people over the years. People don't believe this stuff anymore. They think it's a load of fish stories. Do you know what I'm trying to say? They, mm-hmm. they, um, they uh, believe in money, they believe in sex, they believe in um, you know, prosperity, renovating their homes, taking their kids to private schools. They're the things that... Uh, you okay, know, John, let's, let's, hear from, let's hear from David. David, your thoughts on some no, of those things John's talking about? A very, very, very reasonable proposition. I actually don't agree for two reasons. First, I never refer to the Bible. I never refer to any Christian or religious arguments at all. You don't need to, and I certainly can't in my role, uh, because we're not talking that. We are talking uh, common ground that everyone in the community can relate to, which is basically saying that marriage exists so that a child can have a mum and a dad. That's the whole point. And uh, gay marriage makes it impossible for a child to have both a mum and a dad. That's why it's wrong. And I tell you, I see an awful lot of people who I don't think they're Christians, I don't know what their background is, they come up to me, you know, blokes with their utes or people in the, in the street, and they just say, look, just remember we're all with you on this. You know, we don't say anything, but um, you stick up for the kids. It's all about the children, uh, John. It's, it's not about the Bible. It's not about any specific uh, church teaching. Everyone in the church, out of the church, all these good people you meet around the country, they know that a kid, where possible, should at least have a mother in his life and, and that a little girl should at least have a dad and a mum together, if possible. I, hey, look, of course people... Some kids can't have both parents because there's, you know, things, families break up or a parent dies. We're not talking about single parents. We're not trying to give them a hard time. That's life. But this is about a government policy that would deliberately abolish a mother from the life of future children. Now, John, maybe we're going to lose, but when you think about all those little kids in the future who will never have a mother because we've instituted a thing called homosexual marriage of two men, um, I couldn't sleep in my bed just letting that go through. We've got to say, don't do it. Think of the child. You don't do this to gratify the wishes of adults. You adults already have exactly the same rights as any other couple in the country. Exactly. There is no difference in the way the law treats gay couples or straight heterosexual couples, married or de facto. It's identical. There is no discrimination in Australia. All you cannot do is marry and have kids because you cannot provide a child with a mum and a dad. You do not qualify under nature's job description for marriage. You need not apply. So, mate, John, don't give up that easily. <laughs> John from Coburg, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Philip in Albany in Western Australia. Hello, Philip. Yes, hello. Philip, what are your thoughts? Uh, look, just very quickly, uh, it was last year that I organised around 10% of the voters of Albany, Western Australia, uh, primarily through the churches, to uh, sign a petition supporting traditional marriage. Now, that... Uh, 
uh, went through our local federal member and it went to the uh, Senate inquiry of 12 months ago. And uh, our local member is, you know, very clear on what a significant proportion of his uh, um, constituents believe and our voting intentions. Um, and I really believe that's the only way to make politicians listen um, is to... We're not going to... Probably not going to get Christians into Parliament. I've stood as a Family First um, candidate in the state election and uh, sadly Christians don't overall vote for Christian candidates. It's, uh, so I formed the view that we have to use our political uh, voting rights through whoever the, uh, the elected member is. Um, and, uh, but basically, getting back to the issue, I really believe the key to all this is that we've now got a new stolen generation. Um, we had the, uh, the Aboriginal... Philip, stolen. I'll catch you a little short. Let's yep. uh, get some thoughts from David on what Philip's sharing there, David. I think he's put it brilliantly. Couldn't have put anything better, Philip. That's, that's excellent. And the, and the great work you've done, good on you. Um, and all I can do is reinforce what Philip said, that, um, yes, maybe we don't get that many... Uh, Christian people into Parliament, but there's plenty of people of goodwill who get in and who, who will vote the right way. But as Philip said, what they need is a little bit of nudging from the people in their electorate. Never underestimate the power of visiting your MP and saying to your MP, thanks for seeing me. Uh, me and my friend have come along because we just want to let you know how important uh, one issue is to us, uh, that you keep marriage the way it is. We really want marriage to be kept like it is because that's the only way that kids can you know, have, have their chance of a mother and a father. And I just wanted to let you know that that matters to us. Thank you very much. Now, if you do that, that MP will never forget that visit. They will assume it, it, it indicates another 10,000 people underneath who think the same way, and you would have done your bit for democracy. So anyone listening to this radio station, please, if you care about this, go to your federal member, not your state member, your federal member, ask for a little appointment, pop in and say, look, you know, exactly what I said. If you do that, you would have done your bit to hold the tide back, and we'd really be grateful. And the other thing is, anyone listening, join the political party of your choice. It's not hard to join. Once you're in there, you have the influence over who gets into what seat, who's pre-selected for the Senate, who's pre-selected for the local branch. And, and um, it's really our duty as adults to, to, to do our democratic, democratic bit of work. And one of the things you do is, and it doesn't matter if it's Labor or... Um, LNP or, or Family First or you, know, you can't join the Greens, that's not allowed but you can join the party of your choice and, uh, and see what happens. Thanks uh, very much Philip for all the things you've done over there though, good on you. Good on you Philip from Albany in WA still taking calls and you'll need to be quick uh, just a nice brief comment Jonathan in Perth in WA Hello Jonathan. Yes, hello Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, what I'm thinking about is that one speaker says something that I concur with is that marriage was not instituted by by society, by government, by any other thing, but by God. But today we, the Christian, we are silenced and see government is leading us in such a way they bring in many things, allow gay marriage, homosexual, everything they promote it. And so as one of the speakers that marriage is for two couples, female and male. And they have children to take care of them. A gay marriage, what would they get out of it? And so it's not a problem for government to get in and dictate to all what God instituted. So we, the Christians, we should get up at this time 
and speak for our right because it destroys a nation everywhere, whether it be in Africa, any part of the world. It destroys the whole world because of what they can do. Government step in and make the dictate. So according to what the other person say, it is right now for all those look of our parties and join a fee for what God wants us to be done. Okay, Jonathan, I'll, I'll cut in there, but uh, thank you so much for your comment today here on 2020. Uh, take another call from Jason in Adelaide. Hello, Jason. Yes, hello. Um, this is a bit of food for thought. Being gay is actually against evolution when you think about it because then you can't pass on your genetic information to the next generation because there is no next generation because you can't mate with the same sex. That's right. Jason, any thoughts on that uh, from you, David? Look, it's, it's, yeah, fair point. But remember, um, it, this isn't really about uh, our, our attitude to, to gay people as such because I don't know how many you know, but I, obviously I know some and I have patients. They are I, uh, uniformly the ones I know. I have a, a very firm sort of affection and admiration for how they struggle with things and how they live. And I think our attitude to those good people is that they um, have to uh, make what they can of their situation but they are free to live as they choose in a free society no one's stopping them living as they choose all we're saying please please to gay couples is don't choose a motherless or fatherless life for a little child that's something you can't choose you can live as you choose but there's a difference between that and claiming the rights of marriage and family which brings children into it and the other thought though just on on the question of of um people who you know have the gay identity remember uh, they did not choose it. Don't let any Christian person ever be so trivial as to say that they chose it. They don't choose it. It doesn't mean that they have to always stay that way throughout their life because a lot of them find ways of moving away from the more homosexual end of the spectrum to the more heterosexual. We know that. But to say that they're simply born that way and they're stuck that way and that they chose to be that way is not true or intelligent or sensitive enough in our discussions. We've got to just accept them and, and, and be solid with them, but say, wait, wait. While you can live how you choose, and that's, what, you know, that's a free society, you can't choose to give children a motherless or fatherless existence. Jason from Adelaide, thanks so much for your comment today. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Just tackling for a short while this hour the Irish uh, uh, referendum results in which they've voted in favour of same-sex marriage and some good insights coming from David Van Gend, our guest this hour, President of the Australian Marriage Forum. We have only got time for uh, another call or two. Uh, let's hear from Margaret in WA. Hello, Margaret. Welcome along to 2020. What is your Hi. thoughts? Uh, look, just quickly, I want to... Uh congratulate what all the work that's been put into this i thoroughly agree marriage is between a man and a man and a woman it was instituted by god it is practiced by every culture around the world to me forget the bible it's just plain common sense it's utterly illogical and to me to think that only 22 years ago in ireland it was considered a criminal act but now they're sanctioning marriage this is how quickly the devil is moving and Margaret, let's hear from let's hear from David. David, just quickly. Yep. Uh, I mean, beautifully said, Margaret. Beautifully said. Um, if you leave the Bible and the devil out of it, as you quite rightly said, that would be the message to take to your MP. Take a friend, go along, tell him how much you care about this issue, and please tell him to leave marriage well alone, and you'd have done your duty. Well done, uh, Margaret. You had lots more to say. I'm sorry to cut you off, Gavi in Bunbury. Hello, welcome along to 2020. What are your thoughts? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. 
Look, uh, my thoughts are is that uh, you really do need to put the word of God back into the argument, and uh, rather than just keep it a secular argument, David. I feel the word of God is the authority here, and you shouldn't be ashamed to actually uh, use that in your uh, in your lobbying, because that is the authority finally at the end of the day. And we do have spirits and. Okay, I'll cut you short there. Let's uh, get a comment from David on that particular aspect. David? No, no, no problem with that at all. I'm talking at a couple of church conferences in the next uh, in the next five weeks, one in Melbourne, one in Adelaide, uh, one in Hobart, and that's no problem with the the authority of the Bible among Christians. But it is utterly pointless to talk anything Bible-ish outside the church. It's just dumb. So, you know, we're, we're not disagreeing with you. We're not disagreeing with the authority within the church. But you don't need to talk Bible things, church things, Christian things when you're trying to defend the primal right of a child to have at least the chance of a mother and a father in their life. That is what is abolished if we bring in same-sex marriage and family. Thanks to Gabby from Bunbury. And uh, just a few minutes in the lead-up to the news. And uh, I think we'll leave the calls at that for now. David, wanted to just ask your thoughts. Both Tony Abbott and Bill Shorten, they're resisting the idea of a referendum in Australia. Uh, you mentioned earlier we don't need to have a referendum, but uh, there are some other ways you can get the opinion of the people. That's correct. They're both correct. You do not need a referendum in Australia like Ireland had a referendum, because in Australia there's nothing in the Constitution that needs to be amended. So we agree you don't have a referendum. But the point about a plebiscite is that it is a national vote where everyone in the country can have time to consider the question. There's public funding for both sides of the debate. It's put out there, it's debated, and then there's a national vote, for example, at the same time as a parliamentary election. There's a separate question. That's a plebiscite. And the beauty of that is that the nation really has expressed its will. Now, it may come out saying something I don't want to hear. I'd still have to wear it because the people have spoken. But I think we'd have a sporting chance, at least, of educating the public into saying leave marriage well alone, as it is. So a plebiscite, I think, is now the thing we should consider. Um, And uh, I suspect Mr Abbott, you know, would think differently about a plebiscite to a referendum. I don't know what Mr Shorten would think at all because I'm not quite sure how free he is to think anything at the moment. He seems to be bound by pressures from, from around him. But, look, give him a chance. Um, but the tragedy is that someone like Tony Burke, who's a very staunch uh, Christian guy and, and has just caved in on marriage today, he's a Labor member for Western Sydney somewhere. Now, that, that, that is tragic. And, um, and it just means there's so much confusion out there that I think the clarity that we could bring to the public debate by a national discussion and a national plebiscite, is worthy of the great institution of marriage, Neil, because marriage is the only institution that is so close and intimate to all of us. It is the foundational institution of society, and I don't think the foundation of society should be overturned without hearing the direct will of the people. Let everyone in Australia have a conscience vote. People have been loving the things you have been talking about, David, because they really make sense. Uh, Where is the best place for people to get detail about the sorts of things you've been talking about? Australian Marriage Forum, the website is? It is australianmarriage.org. Australianmarriage.org. And enter your email address on that front of the website and you'll get all of our little 
blogs and messages and things. But thanks, thanks for saying that, Neil. It's very encouraging. If people can understand it because it's simple and clear, it's because I've got a very simple head. And unless I can understand it, I, I can't pass it on. So that's, okay. that's useful. It is australianmarriage.org. And uh, David Van Gend, our best, uh, our guest, uh, president of the Australian Marriage Forum. David, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today on 2020. Many thanks, Neil. Goodbye. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.